Notice what please in this text now in Psalm 37, one verse for the sake of time in verse number 16. Note with me please if you would, a little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. Did you catch that? The little. You said I don't have much. That's all right. God said the little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. Now when we were missionaries starting out on deputation, our family used to sing a song all the time until a pastor messed me up. It was back in the ancient day, ancient days when we still had cassette tapes. Anybody know what a cassette tape is? Now the young people have their hands up. I found an old eight-track cassette some about two years ago in our ministry, and we had folks that was in their 30s that didn't even know what an eight-track was. But back in the ancient days when cassettes were still big, uh, we preached and our family sang in a church and the pastor gave me a copy of the tape and he said, Brother Ellis here, maybe you want to hear your family sing and your message sometime down the way. Well, I hadn't quite gotten to where Dr. B.R. Lincoln was, especially at the time. He said, I couldn't stand hearing myself preach and I haven't gotten there yet uh, today. But uh, he said, as I got a little older, I like to laugh every now and then so I'd listen to myself preach and humor myself. And I plugged that cassette tape in, had our family singing a little as much when God is in it. And God's my witness. I sound like a cattle being hit by a cattle prod with a few thousand volts of electricity. I wanted to go back and apologize to 10 years of churches we had sang in. A little as much when God is in it except for my singing. But by the help of God this morning, I want to preach on this thought from this text, little as much when God is in it. Let's pray. Fathers, we bow before you this morning. I would ask now that you'll take the message. Thank you for the wonderful Sunday school message this morning, the challenge from the word of God. May you help us if there's one here this morning that's lost or others that be listening by way of the internet. I pray that, Father, you'll speak to their hearts, convict them, show them their need of salvation, draw them to that place of repentance that they may call on the Lord and believe and be saved. Encourage your people this morning. May you challenge us. May you change us. Help us, I pray, this week that we'll be dedicated, committed, and consecrated to follow and fulfill the will of God in our lives. Bless every missionary that's here this week and speakers, and I pray your good blessings upon our church and upon our pastor, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. As we consider this passage of Scripture, little is much when God is in it. I remember when I was a young preacher back many years ago, uh, 43 years ago, as I said, I've been preaching 43 years, and we would go into churches throughout the South, and it was not uncommon to go into churches where there were a half a dozen, 10, 12, 15. In fact, I remember the church we were members of at one time, we had 16 or 18 young preacher boys and pastors that had been out in churches and come back in in transition, and 16 or 18 that were there sitting in the pews, and they were wanting to do something for God. The Lord had called us to the state of Wyoming and we had served there for seven years and I would come back and I would go to the churches and God would allow us to challenge the young people, not just pastors and preachers, but God would burden our hearts to challenge people to do something for God. And I found out uh, that uh, many of the churches, and I'm not implying anything this morning, but I found that many churches, many of the people that were sitting there, they were just waiting for the pastor to decease so that they could take over the church or some other ministry that was, lo and behold, near and dear to their heart or across the street from where they lived. 
And I determined that many, they wanted to, they were called to preach and accepted the call, but when it really came to selling out lock, stock, and barrel and doing something for God, there were a minimal amount of those that were willing to step up to the plate and step out by faith to do something for the Lord. Now, this morning, I hope and pray that this week in this conference that God challenges all of our hearts. It's not just for the pastor. It's not just for the preacher. It's not just for the evangelist and the missionary and those young men that are called into the ministry. It's for everyone, and God has something for all of us that we can do. Now, this morning, I would like to use, just for the sake of time, uh, two, if the Lord will allow us, examples of the Bible of where little was much when God was in it. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and you're thinking and contemplating, preacher, I don't have much. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a mouthpiece. I cannot speak in front of people. I'm timid and shy and backward. May I say to you that before I was saved and even as a young Christian, I was very timid and backward. Anyone ask my name as a young man? I wanted to hide behind my mother's skirt tail and I wanted to run. I did not want to approach anyone, much less stand in a public place and speak. But God is able to work miracles. When Peggy and I first uh, met each other, uh, we were around her family and they for many years thought that I was stuck up and because I wouldn't talk. Finally, I came out of my shell. I had to interrupt them to get a word in. And they asked me one day, said, what happened to you? You used to not say anything. We thought you were stuck up. And I replied by saying, no, it's just you talk so much I couldn't get a word in. And I determined that I had to say something. And so this morning, I hope by the grace of God that you will realize that you may not have much and you may think that what you have is unusable in the hand of God, but I'm here to proclaim to you this morning that little is much when God is in it. And so notice with me, please, in 1 Kings, in chapter number 17. In 1 Kings, in chapter number 17, if you look with me in our text, I would like to bring a thought or a challenge from this passage of Scripture from the Word of God. Notice, if you would, please, in, in this passage of Scripture, in verse number 8, the Bible said, The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, and this is Elijah, Arise and get thee to Zerpath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there, behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went unto Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called unto her, or called to her, and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do thou as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me and make after for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. So she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. She and he and her house did eat many days and the barrel of meal wasted not neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he sp uh, spake by Elijah. 
Now I want to say something to you this morning right here at this passage of Scripture. That little is much when God is in it. In this passage of Scripture, we find that Elijah... He has been by the brook Cherith and God has fed him by the ravens. And as we consider the passage of scripture, uh, the ravens were an unclean fowl, an unclean animal. And you know, God will use sometimes uh, things and places and resources to supply the needs of his people that would be the least that we would expect for God's provisions to come from. And now God calls him to go uh, down to Zarephath. And there, of all the people, of all the wealth and all of the uh, those that were in Zarephath and Sidon in that area, there was a widow woman of all people that God chose to sustain the man of God. And may I say to you that God will use the most unusual people with the un- most unusual circumstances, with the most unusual substance to supply the needs of his work and of his ministry this morning. And if you're sitting here, whatever you have in your hand or in your pocket or in your heart or in your wallet or in your bank account, in your home and within your family, I want to say to you this morning, little is much when God is in it. And you'd be surprised what the Lord will do this week at Bible Baptist Church if all of us would simply come to the Lord and say to him, Lord, I don't have much, but what I have give I unto thee. And so this morning, let us come as this widow woman did here in this passage of scripture. Now notice with me, if you would, please, in our text, and I'll just bring a couple of truths and we'll unhitch for this morning. But notice, if you would, as he gets down into Zidon, and there the Bible said in verse number 10, that when he arose and he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, and mark this, if you would, please, in your Bible, it wasn't just a widow woman of the uh, Zarephath, it was the widow woman. Notice there was a divine appointment. There was a divine resource. There was a divine God ordering in the affairs of man, ordering in the affairs and the resources that God may supply the needs of his work and his ministry into the man of God. And you may be sitting here this morning and by divine appointment and by divine order, God has given you substance in your life. God has given you talent in your life. God has given you gifts in your life and resources that he has in order to sustain the work of God and evangelism here in America and around the world. Now notice it was the widow woman. It wasn't just a widow woman. It was the widow woman, the providence of Almighty God. And then notice, if you would please, in the scriptures, the Bible said, and the woman was gathering of sticks and he called unto her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Now notice what the lady says in verse number 12. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth. Notice she calls heaven to witness on the truth and the sincerity of her statement. She said, man of God, as the Lord in heaven is my testimony, my witness. Thy servant, notice what he says, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Now notice, if you would please, this is a widow woman and she doesn't have very much. 
In fact, uh, she said to the man of God, Elijah, I don't have a bread. In other words, she said, I don't have a loaf. And uh, she says, but I have just a handful of meal. Now this morning we misunderstand that handful of meal sometimes. She's already witnessed to the man of God, I don't have a loaf of bread, but I've just got a handful of meal. And in the New Testament, the Bible uses the term penny loaf. And uh, speaking of just a small um, uh, a loaf of bread that's almost like a, a size of a roll of pennies in our generation. Just small finger tight loaves of bread. And she says to him, all I have is a handful of meal. And I'm getting ready to go in and dress it for me and my son and we're planning to die. Notice if you would please, she didn't have much. But she's going to give it to God. And she's going to fetch water for the man of God, Elijah. And he stops her in her tracks and says to her, Ma'am, while you're at it, make me a loaf of bread. And she said, I haven't got a loaf of bread. All I have is a handful of meal. And the handful of meal is not something you'd reach in the barrel and come up with what you could cup into the hand. It literally is dealing with a hollow of the palm, the indentation of the palm. If you hold your hand out, there's a small indentation. And what she's saying to the man of God is, I have just enough to fill the hollow of my hand. And I'm gonna take that little bit of meal I have left and the little bit of cruise of the world that I have in the cruise and I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna bake it and my son and I is gonna eat it and we're gonna die. Notice if you would the little amount of substance that this little woman had. But notice the request of Elijah, the man of God and her resources. And he says to her, go in and make me first. And so she doesn't argue. She goes in and she bakes and she comes in and she gives it to Elijah, the man of God. Now I want to say just a couple of things here if I might and make some application if I could please in this passage of scripture. Number one, she was gathering sticks and she only had a handful of meal in the barrel. May I say to you, don't be a lot like a lot of people are in our generation when the barrel gets little. Most of us would have burned our barrel instead of gathering the sticks. The barrel is the resources of God's divine provision and his resources. And so she goes out and she don't burn the barrel. She gets the sticks. Why? Because it is the barrel that God's going to use to perform his miracle and to provide for this widow woman. May I say to you this morning, don't burn your barrels. Keep them. If it is the resource that God is supplying and his means of supplying for you. Now notice in our text, the Bible says, make me first or have a little cake. Reminds me of Matt, or Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom. Yes. May I say to you and put it this way, as the uh, older preacher said, you, can, you and I cannot outgive God. Right. Notice if you would please, she bakes the cake, she brings it in and gives it to the man of God. Notice in verse number 14, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Notice the providence and the promise 
of the divine God through the man of God to this widow woman. And may I say to you this morning that we have a blessed promise in the Bible that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us, that he will go with us all the way into the end of the earth and the world. We can never outgive God. It has to do with stewardship. Nothing you and I have belongs to you and I. It might be in our possession, but it belongs to God ultimately. Therefore, God has the right to request, require anything that he wants that you and I have. And that includes your life and my life. It includes your wife and my wife. It includes your children and my children, your grandchildren and my grandchildren, your finances and my finances, your talent and my talent, your time and my time, your gift and my gift. Everything that God has given us is on loan from our Heavenly Father. And we owe it all to Him. Now notice you would please, because I want to get to one more text very briefly this morning before we close. Notice if you would please in verse number 15, that when she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, may I just say to you this morning, if you want the blessings of God this week, there's going to have to be some obedience. Unless the Lord redirects, I'll begin a series on Abraham later this week. The Lord has burdened my heart over this text. But I want to say to you this morning, there'll be no blessings in this conference. There'll be no blessings in any meeting that we have unless there is full obedience to the Lord. And then notice if you would please in verse number 16, the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which is spake by Elijah. Now go with me if you would please to 2 Kings and chapter number 4. In 2 Kings and chapter number 4, notice if you would please in our text this morning, if you would. And I'll begin reading in verse number 1. There cried a certain woman of the wise of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha. And so 1 Kings deals with Elijah. Now we're dealing with Elisha, the successor of Elijah. A man who received a double portion of the power in the presence of God and performed dual the miracles that God allowed Elijah to perform in his ministry. And now the Bible says, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, uh, the Creator, and has come to take unto him, uh, excuse me, the creditor, and has come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house? Now watch the response of this widow woman whose sons are in being taken as bondmen if she can't pay her debt. And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. And there's so much in all this text this morning and certainly could preach on any given text for the rest of this conference. But I want to just summarize to lay a foundation for this week and say to you that in our text, according to this passage of Scripture, when Elisha asked her what she had in her house or was of any value, of any substance whatsoever, she responded to him by saying, Man of God, thy servant hath not anything in the house. Notice that she did not value what she had. She did not see the potential of what she had and what God could do with a little amount that she had to offer. 
And this morning, that's why I say again, you may not have much, but what little you have in your hand and in your heart and in your mind, God can use it for his glory and for his honor. Little is much when God is in it. Notice who would please in this passage of scripture. He said unto, he, then he said, go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow, and watch these three words, not a few. Now notice if you would, he did not tell her how many vessels to borrow. He didn't tell her to borrow a half a dozen, a dozen, 50, 100, hundreds. He just said, you go of your neighbors and you borrow the vessels and simply said, not a few. Now notice if you would that Elisha leaves the magnitude of the blessings and the miracle at the hand of this widow woman. And you know God does that to you and I today. The Bible says give and it shall be given unto you. You know what that implies? That implies that God has given something to us because we have something to give. So give and it shall be given unto you. And so that scripture, Luke, implies that we have all been blessed and endowed by God with some gift, some talent, some resource, something that we can all use and we can give back to God. Give and it shall be given unto you. It also implies this. I started to preach a series out of this text. It also implies this, that God has first given to us something that we have to give, though we may not think it much, it also implies that God is watching what we give. He said, give, and it shall be given unto you. So God says, I'm waiting on you to take the first step. You say, boy, I wish God would just bless me overwhelmingly. And I would come into a rich inheritance and I had great talent and education and I had great energy that I had in my youth. And boy, if God would just do that, I would give it all to him. No, you wouldn't. Because we won't give him what we have. We're waiting on God, but God's waiting on us. God said, give, you take the first step. I wrote in the flyleaf of my Bible some years ago on this text. That is one word of command followed by 39 words of promise. The command is give, all the rest of it is a promise. Give and it shall be given unto you. And so God is watching what we have and the resources that we give to him. And so the Bible, it implies, given it shall be given to you. And a good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And God says, somebody says, well, it don't matter what I give to God. Oh, yes, it does in that text. God said, I'm watching, you give and I'll bless you accordingly. A little as much when God is in it. And so we find that this widow woman she now has her oil that she's considered as nothing. He said to go borrow the vessels, not a few. So here's what they did. I'll be done in just a moment. They went and they knocked on doors. You know, I'm your neighbor down the way here and um, I'm in a dilemma and I need to borrow some vessels. And uh, so they gave her the empty vessels they had and she went to the next door. I'm your neighbor down here and I need to borrow some vessels and whatever you've got empty. And so door after door after door. Hey, I'm your neighbor. And over and over until finally she thinks within her heart, I've got more than I need. There's no way, there's no way God can fill these up. And she goes home and she is obedient to the command of God. And she takes the little oil that she has in that little pot. 
Notice the Bible said a pot. She just had a small vessel and then she borrowed vessels implying larger vessels. And so the man of God, Elisha, left the magnitude of the blessing up to her. Now let me summarize this and be done. They would go in and they shut the door and uh, I would like to imagine she was probably with a little bit of a southern descent maybe. And so she is filling up the oil pot. She tips it over. She, I don't believe that she ever tips it back. I believe she pours it over. And to her amazement, the pot is full of oil. And she says, hey, boys, bring me another one. And they bring her another one. She switches it over. Bring me another one, boys. And she switches it over and over and over and over and over and over until all of a sudden she says, boys, bring me another one. And they say, Ma, we ain't got no more. And the oil stayed. Now, you know, she'd have had another hundred vessels that had all been full. The man of God left the magnitude of the blessings up to the widow woman. My friend, this morning, if we will just step out by faith and believe God for something. You see, unbelief leaves God out of the equation. Grace is when God reaches out to man. Faith is when man reaches out to God. And by the way, on our first text in First Kings about the bread and the widow's loaf of bread, when you go to the New Testament in Sidon, guess what's still in Sidon? There was the one that was by the table and says, true, Lord, but not, not the dogs eat from the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And that miracle took place in Sidon. And all of these hundreds of years later, there's still bread in Sidon. May I just mention to you this morning as they come to the instruments and make ready for the invitation this morning. I don't know what your dilemma might be this morning. And I don't know what you have that you would consider nothing or consider it not. But may I say to you this morning, I believe with all of my heart, sitting right here in this congregation, in this church this morning, and you may be sitting here and say, boy, I wish so-and-so had been here. They needed that. May I say to you, my friend, we need that. Have you ever come to an altar and said, God, I don't have much whatever you want, I'm going to leave it on this altar. Corey Ten Boom said this in her book, The Hiding Place. She said, I've learned to hold on to the things of this world lightly so that when he requires them at my hand, I may release them more freely and easily. I want to address the young people here this morning and I'm done. There is no greater thing that you can do with your life than give it. If you can dribble a ball and shoot it through a hoop, thank God for it. If you can kick a ball down a field and put it into a small go, thank God for it. If you can run a touchdown, thank God for it. If you can run a track and set a record, thank God for it. But that's not the greatest thing in life you can do. The greatest thing in life you can do is to give it to God. Whatever you have, lay it on this altar this morning. And it will lay the foundation for a wonderful missions camp meeting.
and to the elderly, may I say. Statistically, most people do their greatest work above the years of 60. In our generation, we have a mindset that when you get to a certain age, you're done. But Abraham was old and many others. As I play on the instruments this morning, would you be willing to come and say to the Lord, Lord, I know I don't have much, but everything I've got, I'll put on the altar this morning for you. And not just the young people, young and old alike. I know people that are up in years. They've never really surrendered to God. They've never really laid it on the altar. I know, I know missionaries that haven't totally, totally surrendered to the Lord. You say, but they've gone to the mission field. But only under certain circumstances and conditions. Brother Hugh had hit it this morning. Thank God for missionaries and faith. I've been a missionary almost 36 years, but I've seen it, preacher. We can do service without surrender. We can sacrifice without heart. But this morning, may God help us. Little is much when God is in it. Preacher. Man, let's all stand while folks are praying in the altar. Their heads are bowed. We wait just a moment as they pray. If you need to come, you come this morning. Thank God for the message. Thank God for the preaching. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. play softly. Some are still praying. You can look this way. Let them take all the time they need. I tell you, I've said much about it this morning in Sunday school and even in the 11 o'clock hour because it's, it's really the burden on my heart. I want you to know that. I want you to be here this week and I don't want you to just be here in body. I want you to be here in heart. Amen. Give your all this week. I think it is the most important meeting. I, you know, I love Jubilee. I thank God for Jubilee. But this is how I feel about it personally. It would be selfish for me 
It's not a guilt trip, it's a fact. To be selfish for me as an individual to be more excited about Jubilee because that's really what I get. That's, that's all about me getting help and enjoying. Uh, this type of meeting is a meeting that it demands a response, it demands a commitment. It's about something other than me. It's about souls. The most important thing to God is what it's about. And uh, I encourage you to be here this week. I want you to be here this week. I look around. Can I just be honest? Because that's the only way I know to be is be honest. I look around. I see some folks not here this morning. Some are sick. I know why some are not here. Some I have no idea where they're at this morning. Amen. And that burdens me as a pastor because I, re- I see the apathy and the complacency I see across this country. I mean, it'll overtake a church like a cancer in a heartbeat. And so this week, I challenge you, pray about it. I don't want you to come here with your heart not in it. I want you to be, I want you to be here. I want you to be here every night. I know some of you, many of you be working. You can't be here in the mornings. I understand that. If you can, I want you to come. It'd be good in the morning's time. But I want you to be here every night. I want you to push things out of your schedule. You can do that. I know your flesh will say, oh, but preacher, I know. Listen, you know all, all year long we have meeting in the fall. Amen. I am putting a little pressure on you because I'm doing it on purpose. Amen. I want you to be here. I want you to feel terrible if you're not here. I mean that. I want you to, I, but I want you more than anything, I want you to be here. To be here every night of this meeting. You say, why is that so important to you? Because God laid it on my heart to have this meeting. I know that, I know that as sure as I'm standing here, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this meeting. And because I really believe this, Brother Caleb, I really believe this. I believe the lifeline of any church, it just depends on their missions. You walk in a church where they're giving and people are going, God's blessing. You walk in a church where they're saving, and nobody's giving and nobody's going, there's nothing going on there. Nothing going on there. They might even have a big crowd, but there's nothing going on. So I want you to be here every night. I want you to call somebody that's not here today and say, hey, where was you at this morning? And then when they give you one of them lame excuses, say, man, you need to get here. You need to be here. I'm really emphasizing that because it's a burden. I really think it's a pivotal meeting for our church. And so with that said, how many of y'all appreciate the message this morning?